0: how many times have you had a friend um, and you just thought to yourself, if they would just listen to me, (laughs) this would be a whole lot easier. If they would just listen, or maybe it was a relative who just seemed to always, in the end, make the wrong decision about something. And we're looking at them and we're thinking to ourselves, why why do you keep making the same mistakes? This is our relative, someone we care about. Why do you keep making these mistakes? We're thinking over and over and over and over again. And we think to ourselves, if you would just trust me, I, I have an idea of how your life could turn out differently if you would just trust me. Isn't that true for all of us? Don't we run into those scenarios often? Haven't we all had relationships or friendships or relatives and we just thought, please, please, just listen to me. Uh, we can make a different outcome with your life if you would just listen to me. And no matter the problem there's all kinds of problems, but perhaps we're just thinking to ourselves, I I just might have something to offer you that would help in this situation. Maybe you know someone who's a binge drinker, and and you're thinking about it, and you watch the habits, and you think to yourself, they might just have an addiction. And we know, as you're thinking, we know places that could help them Get into recovery and begin the recovery process. Or maybe it's someone else in your family, they're just in and out of relationships. Or maybe it's just a friend of yours and you watch and they're in a bad relationship, out of a bad relationship, right into another bad relationship, in and out and in and out, and all these bad relationships. And you think to yourself, I don't know what's going on, but I do know this they've got a bad picker, (laughs) their picker is busted, it's broken. They just don't know how to pick. Something is wrong with the way they pick people to be in relationship with. And you think to yourself, there must be possibly inside of them something that's broken inside. And you think, if, maybe if they would get that looked into, maybe a, a, a counselor or someone, a Christian counselor could help them kind of work through something Then maybe they could pick better. And you think to yourselves, man, I just wish, I wish they would listen to me. Or maybe they come to you with yet again another problem and they ask for your advice. And so you give them an answer, an answer that you really feel like could make a difference. And then they go away. And they don't listen to you at all. (laughs) And they ask for it and they don't listen. And we think to ourselves, wow, if they would have just taken one of those steps that we talked about, then things would at least be getting better. Maybe someone has a money problem. And, you, and you're watching, they're close to you, you love them, but they are in over their heads. There's too much money going out, or there's too much money going to all the wrong places, and that doesn't leave enough money to go to the right places. You might know someone who has a problem with pain pills, prescribed, but maybe they're overused or not taken properly, and they have become dependent no matter how much you talk to them, this person you love, this friend, this family member, when you're done, once again, it seems they didn't listen at all. And I mean, in the conversation, it sounds a lot like this. Yeah, you're right. I know. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. Yes, you're right. I've got to do that. I've got to change. And then nothing changes. So this morning, we're going to take things just a little bit differently the way we normally do, and here's what we're going to do we're going to present to you this morning um, some truth, and it's truth that can make a difference in in our lives in different ways. It's just some good old, solid advice, and it's from experts, not from Harley I'm not an expert in this, but it comes from experts. but then this is the interesting part here. Then we're going to see how this expert advice did not originate from the experts at all. And so I'm going to let you know where it originated from. And then we're going to show you where this not only comes from, but we're going to show you how this advice can ultimately impact our lives. That's where we're going with this, so hang in here with me. I'm going to first give you some expert advice. I'm not the expert. We got this from experts. And this is before we ever jump into this amazing collection of biographies and letters that have all been combined together and and into what is called the new covenant. So we're going to jump into this advice first, this human relationship advice. And here's the thing Not only are no perfect people allowed, which has been the name of the series, No Perfect People Allowed, but when you look, you find out there are no perfect people even around. (laughs) I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, and all those people around you that you are in relationships with, friendships, families, uh, spouses, none of those people are perfect either, and that makes for some really messy relationships. That's the reality. And we know this because we have lived this fact over and over and over again with all of our relationships. So how do we survive these less than perfect relationships? So we're going to present to you this morning some advice from the experts, and we're going to present them in terms of laws. They're not really laws, but we're going to call them relationship laws. Now, this law implies that someone out there with authority set up a particular way for something to function, in this case, a relationship. And so as we get started, let's just assume, if you could do that with me, let's assume that they are correct. All right, let's assume that these laws are correct. They're not way out there. They're not far-fetched. So it's going to be an easy assumption that these are correct. So we can assume that some expert, someone with expert knowledge on this topic of relationships has said that over the course of human relationships, it appears that this law has always been true. That's what this assumption is. It appears that these experts have not really found any exceptions to these laws. That's why they can call them a law. So let's assume that these experts know what they're talking about, all right? Now, I'm sure there are many, 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 many relationship laws, but we're only going to give you three this morning. We're going to talk about three relationship laws. Then we're going to tell you where they actually originated from And then we're going to tell you how they can change our lives as well. Here's the first law. It's called the law of power. Every relationship has some amount of power. And that relationship has that power, and that power is used in the relationship. It's used for good or it's used for bad. Now, here's what the law of power implies. The law of power implies that relationships only work well when that power is recognized and used properly. So if I try to use my power to force you or to nudge you or to move you in the direction that I want you to go, then I am misunderstanding the purpose of power in a relationship. And I'm going to be miserable, and you're going to be miserable too. The law of power says, I have power. I have power over and control over just me. Let me say that again. The law of power says, I have power over, control over just me. You see, it's called self-control, not spouse control, not other person control. And I want you to understand that this power over situation, it, we're talking about relationships between adults. With children and teenagers, they are in the process of becoming an adult. And so this power structure and all these laws, they interact differently with dependence than they do with another adult. But this is called self-control, not other person control. Now the law of power teaches that we must recognize what we have power over, which is me, and we must use that power, which is power over me, in a redemptive way even in the lives of other people. Because I don't have power over you. I only have power over me. Let me give you an example. Uh, Let's say you have an adult child that mishandles her money. Maybe you have an adult child that doesn't keep a job. Okay? Okay. An adult child, maybe she mishandles money, or an adult child, maybe he won't keep a job. And you constantly find yourself having to bail them out. They get behind on the bills, you pay their bills. They get behind on a car payment, you catch them up on their car payment. The car breaks down, they haven't been saving any money, so they have no money to repair the car, you go repair the car. You continue to find yourself bailing them out so that they can make it, all right? The law of power recognizes that I don't have the power to make my child set up a good budget and follow that budget. I don't have the power to do that. I only have power over me. I don't have the power to make my child keep a job. I don't have that power. They have power over themselves. I only have power over me. And I only have power over what I do and what I choose. So I'm faced with a choice here. Am I going to continue to allow them to make bad decisions by me paying their bills. See, I don't have power to make them pay their bills. If they don't pay their bills, we talked about this uh, this fall. The problem with that is they're taking all of their problems and they're carrying them to my backyard and they're dropping them in my backyard. They're not worried about it. And so I'm worrying about it, right? They're not worried about it. They may be, but they've taken all their problems and dropped them in their yard, and they want you to handle their problems while they go off and do what they want. They want to continue to not work. They want to continue to uh, spend the money the way they want to on the things that aren't bills, and they want you to handle those bills for them, right? So they take all their problems, drop them in your yard. I don't have the power to make them get a job, I don't have the power to make them spend their money more wisely. All I have the power is over me, and so perhaps I make a decision to take all of their consequences from their decisions and to place them back in their yard. That's all I can do. I can't change them. I can't make them. I don't have power over them. And the more I try, the more miserable I get and the more miserable they get. So this law of power says, I must recognize who I have power over, just me, and I must use that power in a redemptive way. And that redemptive way, in this case, for me, would be to take their consequences and instead of me paying for them, to let them have their own consequences. Because I only have power over me. And so I have to make a choice. What am I going to do? That's the first one. That's just one example. Here's the second law. So that was the law of power. The second law is called the law of respect. Law of respect. Now, this is pretty specific. I'm sure it would involve other things. But here's what this law is really about. It simply says that I must respect the no. The N-O. Now, this is closely related to the law of power. If I choose to not try to develop power over you, to nudge you, to force you, to get you to go in the direction I want, to bend you in the way I want you to bend... To get my way or the way I think you should live. I choose not to use my power that way because that's a misuse of power. So I have to respect your no. When you say no, I must respect the no. That doesn't mean I like the result. It doesn't mean I agree with the fact that you just said no to something that I think really would help your life and change your life. But I have to respect the no. It doesn't mean that I'm good with the end result of what's going to happen because you said no. It doesn't mean I'm good with it. It doesn't mean I agree with it. It just means, it simply means I respect your right to choose for yourself. I respect the no. I may not agree with that, but I respect your right to choose. So, the addict. The addict says... I don't want to change. I don't want to change. And I don't have the power to change them, right? I don't have the power to make them change. I don't have the power to force them to change because I only have power over me and power over what I do and what I choose and what I say. So, since I don't have power over you, and I'm not going to try to to develop that or exert that, that's a misuse of power. I only have power over me. And I need to respect your choice to say, no, I don't want to get better or no, I don't want that. Then now as a parent or as an adult, I have a choice to make. See how this is closely related to the law of power. I now know I only have power over me, not power over you. So maybe when an addict that I'm in a close relationship with gets in trouble and they end up in jail, maybe because I don't have power to make them change, and I have to respect their no that they said no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to rehab. I don't want to do this. I don't. I, I want to use heroin. I don't want this no then maybe i don't rush over and pay their bail to get them out of jail does that make sense i had now have because i respect the no now i have a decision to make and it involves power what am i going to do with my power am i going to bug you and nudge you and try to bend you to force you to do what i think you should do no that's a misuse of power so now i have to make a choice Maybe instead of me having the consequence of their decision, which is I've got to rush over now and pay their bail, maybe I take that consequence and I place it back in their yard. It is the law of respect. Now I'm sure there are many, many, many more relationship laws but we're just talking about these three today. The first is the law of power. The second is the law of respect. And here's the third. It's the law of responsibility. The law of responsibility says, I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible for me. Don't these all blend together very nicely? I'm not responsible for you. God has not given me that responsibility. I am responsible for me. Again, it is called self-control. It is self-responsibility. It is not responsibility for everyone around me. So, while I'm not responsible for you, here's a very important distinction. I am responsible to you. Not for you, but to you. You see, I can't do something for you that only you can do yourself. As a parent to an adult child, you can't do something for them that they can only do for themselves. We try, don't we? We have tried, haven't we? It doesn't work. You see, this even appears to be a line that God himself doesn't even cross. To do something for you that you are responsible to do for yourself. And this line is called, that God doesn't seem to cross Himself even, is called freedom. But I am responsible to you. I'm not responsible for what you decide, but I am responsible to you for how I choose to respond to you? Am I going to respond by making it easier for you to keep doing the dangerous and the damaging things that you're doing? Am I going to respond by making it easier for you to continue that behavior or those decisions, that line of thinking, that path that you're walking down? Or am I going to exercise the law of power? Am I going to make better choices for now relating to what I do and what I say and how I respond and make these choices now for a better future since I can't force them to change. Okay, these are the three laws. We could talk about these for hours and hours and hours, but we don't have that kind of time today. Now, I want us to see these three laws, the law of power, the law of respect, and the law of responsibility. And I want to see these in action from the person that actually created these laws from our creator himself, from God. We're going to see God using these laws that he himself put in place. After all, God created relationship, so God knows how he designed them to work. So these laws were not discovered by experts. These are laws that God put in place with relationships. Let's get caught up, though, in this whole relationship with God thing. Here's kind of how it all started. When God created us, We, mankind, we chose to do life our own way, outside of God's laws, outside of the way God designed life to go. And God calls that sin when we decide to take our own path instead of following the path of God. When that happened, creation broke, all of creation. Humanity broke, relationships with each other broke, our relationship between us and God broke, and even creation itself broke. Things in creation that were perfect suddenly started going wrong and bad, not the way God designed. That's all a consequence of us choosing our own path, our own way, which the Bible calls sin. Now, this was no surprise to God, God knew this was going to happen. He created us anyway because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He created us anyway. But God knew that the only way to fix creation would be for God himself to offer a fix for what we broke. And so this was God's plan from the very beginning. Before creation, God had this planned out. He knew after it broke, he himself was going to step out of heaven and put on the flesh and blood of man, and he was going to come to his own creation and live life as a man. And that man, his name, God himself, as a man, his name was Jesus. Completely God, at the same time, completely man. And so he stepped out of creation, stepped onto this earth as Jesus, and he came here to fix creation, to offer a solution to the problem that we had no solution for. Now, we've been looking at these laws, three of them. And we've looked at how they impact us and another person. But what I want to do right now is look at how these laws still operate between us and between God, between you and God, between me and God. These laws are still in effect. Now, while we don't understand the totality of this, we have a picture, a glimpse, a little bit of what it's like. Now, to get an idea of how this functions, we're going to go and look at Jesus, who is God as a man, completely man, completely God. And we're going to look at at the interaction Jesus had with one specific person. Now, we find this biography, we find it in the book of Matthew. Matthew wrote from this firsthand experience. He was there as this happened, and he recorded it in a biography about Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to start with verse 16. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question. And here's the question, teacher what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So he wants to have eternal life. He understands the concept that there is more to this life than what we experience right here. After death, there is more and it never ends. He said, what do I do to experience that the way that you have designed it to be experienced? What do I need to do? In verse 17, Jesus says, well, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. Now, there's a whole lot to that, to that statement. We don't have time to break it down. He says, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, here's what he says, keep the commandments. Now, please note, Jesus has not yet died on the cross. The commandments are still active at this very moment. Keep the commandments. And the guy says, verse 18, okay, which ones? The man asked Jesus. Now today we think, duh, dummy, the Ten Commandments. I mean, I even know about that. I'm not even a Jewish person. I know about the Ten Commandments. Keep the Ten Commandments. But here, here's the truth. The Ten Commandments were actually just a summary of 613 laws found in the Old Covenant. And so really, it's it's a legitimate question. He's saying, okay, teacher, of these 613 commandments, which are the ones that I really need to pay attention to? That's what he's asking. It's a fair question. If I'm going to get this right, which ones do I need to really pay attention to? And Jesus has an answer for him. Here's what he says. Jesus replied, okay, then, you must not murder. And he's going through this list in his mind. Okay, not murder. Check. Haven't killed anybody yet today. (laughs) No murder. You must not commit adultery, Jesus said. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. And he's going on. And the guy's going, okay, okay, I'm, I'm taking it in. Verse 19, honor your father and your mother. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy's thinking, okay, okay. Verse 20, he said, he's been checking them off as Jesus goes. I've obeyed all these commandments. He's, the young man replied. I think it's important that we hear young man here. <laughs> I've done it all. I've, I, listen, nailed it. I did it. Man, what are you talking about? No perfect people allowed. I am nailing this. Wah, wah, He said, I've got it. Man, I knew it. I was just making sure I knew it. And he ends it and he says, Well, what else must I do? Well, that was a bad question. Verse 21, Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, now don't misunderstand that word perfect. He's not talking about flawless. This word translated perfect here's what it means. It means if you want to be complete, Jesus said, if you really want to be fully mature, that's what it means. He said, go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, listen to me. This is so very interesting to me. Jesus and we see it right here in this bi- biography. Jesus has given this man a very specific next step. He asked for it and Jesus gave him a next step. And listen to this. It is a next step that we don't really see him give To anybody else that he has a conversation with that we have recorded in the biographies of Jesus in the New Covenant. This is a very specific next step for this very specific person. He gives it to this young man. And I think to myself, you know, Jesus knows, because he's God, he knows the heart of this young man as they're having a conversation. Jesus knows as he walks up, he knows exactly what that young man struggles with. He knows exactly what that young man's strengths are and what that young man's weaknesses are. Jesus knows precisely. And in this moment, Jesus kind of cuts right through all the religious talk. Oh, great teacher. He cuts through all the religious talk, and he goes right to the location of this young man's heart, of where this young man has placed his faith, of where the young man has placed his security, and it is all with his wealth, with his money, with his holdings. That's exactly where it is. And Jesus gives him a very specific next step related to where that man's heart really is and where it's struggling. Here's a question for us all. If we were to have a conversation with Jesus right now, this very moment with him knowing the true place of your faith and my faith. The true place where we have our security, where we have placed our hope for a better tomorrow, where we have really placed our trust, what would Jesus' request be for us? If we had that same conversation with Jesus, what would Jesus, knowing where our heart really is and where that struggle is, what we've been holding on to, what we've been hanging on to, what we have been holding for security, what would he ask us to give up? What would he ask us to walk away from in that moment? what is it? What is it that Jesus knows we trust more than him? What is it, or maybe who is it that Jesus knows we trust more than him? And what would Jesus say, Harley, friends, I want you to Get up and walk away. Leave this behind. And only after, only after does Jesus offer this man a request into friendship with Jesus. That request to come and follow me that Jesus gave him, and he gave it to him. Don't misunderstand. If this is a matter of he chose or didn't chose, Jesus looked at him and said, come, follow me. He chose him. Only did he choose him after he told him what it would cost him. Him. He didn't give that requirement, that step to anyone else, but he gave it to him. And now we have the response of the young man. Verse 22 But when the young man heard this, he went away. He did not follow, he went away from Jesus very sad, for he had many possessions. The law of power says Jesus is all-powerful. But the all-powerful Jesus did not try to force this young man to make the right decision, which was to come follow me. He didn't try to force him. Jesus is all-powerful and could have made him, but Jesus didn't cross that line. He was all-powerful, but he didn't force him. The law of respect says you respect the no. Did Jesus agree with the no? No, 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 he certainly didn't. Did Jesus like the outcome of the no? Absolutely not. But Jesus respected the no. Did Jesus chase him down and say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's talk about this some more. Maybe we can work something out. Maybe you don't have to get rid of all of it. Just, just get rid of enough that I know, hey, hey, you, where your heart is, all right? Just, just some, just a smidge, just a little bit. Did he chase him down and try to rework it, try to negotiate, try to make it work out so it could be a win-win? No, he respected the no and let him walk away. He let him. And the law of responsibility says Jesus is not responsible for the decisions that that young man made. Jesus is responsible for his decisions. But he is responsible to him, not for him, to him, to tell him the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Oh, okay, yeah, so do this. Oh, you want to know what commandments? Okay, here we go. Do these. Oh, you've done those? You think? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, then let's let's see if you've really done it. Can you do this? Because if you can't do this, you haven't done that. He gave him the truth. And then he said, then, come follow me. Gave him the truth. Not responsible for him, responsible to him, to tell him the truth. And that's what he did. That line that Jesus didn't cross, that line of freedom that says, I'll call you, but I won't make you. I'll invite you, but I won't make you. He allowed him the freedom to choose. He invited him into a relationship, and Jesus allowed him the freedom to walk away. But there's one other thing I want to point out before we wrap this up. We're about to wrap this up. I want to point out how this was done. I I, I want to point out that all of these laws of relationship that God created, they are to be exercised in a particular way. This is how Jesus did it. And I believe this is the truth. These laws are always expressed with compassion and with love, even if it's the outcome we don't want to happen. And here's how we know this. Mark, also an eyewitness here, he he talks about this, Mark 10, as he describes this same scenario, verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. These relationship laws, even as we are in relationship with other people, but even as God and us are in relationship together, this is how God expresses them towards us with compassion and with love. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And I want you to know this as we end. Jesus has genuine love for you too. My friends, we can look at other people all day long and we can analyze our relationships with other people and we can read book after book and listen to, to podcast after podcast and we can go to counselor after counselor and we can try and try and try to improve our relationships with other people, but our bigger question at the moment is this why don't we why don't we start with the one who created relationships and why don't we get that relationship right first And then we can talk about how God, who created relationships, can help us with the other relationships in our lives that are hurting and struggling. Why don't we get our first, our relationship right with God first? It's really the first step in this whole process of us getting relationships right with other people. We must get our relationship relationship right with God. And so God has offered us this same invitation. He says, come and follow me. But him knowing your heart, what has he asked you to lay down first so you can get up and go follow him? The Bible puts it this way. We have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him. What is he asking you to deny? Because that's our first step deny ourselves, take up a cross daily, follow him. He's invited you, and now he's going to exercise these three laws in your life and in my life. He has the power to make you, but he's not going to. He's going to respect your answer, even if it's a no. He is responsible to tell us the truth, and I believe he has. And so what is our answer to him? And I hope our answer is this, that we will choose to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. And I ask this, what is your answer? And if this morning for the very first time in this room or even online, if you're saying, I, I, I finally, I've heard it a thousand times, but today it makes sense. I want to follow Jesus. I know what I've been holding on to, and I know what I need to lay down and, and take up my cross and follow him. I know what it is, and I'm Jesus, I'm going to do that. I want to follow you. I want to pursue you. Will you do that right now? Just simply say, yes, Jesus, I'm choosing you. You died for me. You rose again for me. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to follow you. But if you say no, he'll respect the no. But I'm begging you, please. Will you follow Jesus today? And here's the next step. Number one is to follow Jesus. Here's the second one. Will you, and we can all take this step, Will you read that biography of Jesus that's recorded by Matthew? It's in the New Covenant. It's called the Gospel according to Matthew. That means the good news according to Matthew. Will you, will you read that book starting? You don't have to read it all in one setting. Just read a, a chapter or two a day. Work your way through that book. Will you begin that process? And in that process say, Jesus, I want you to help me understand how I can connect with you eternally, follow you every day of my life. If you're making Jesus the boss of your life, that means you're following him, will you please mark that on your connection card right now before you hit submit on the digital card or before you turn that paper card in? We want to know if you're following Jesus. If you'll take that step with us, will you simply begin reading that biography of Jesus written by Matthew called the Gospel The good news according to Matthew. And I hope and I pray that you will be back here with us next week as we begin a brand new series. And I promise you this, the new series we are beginning has the potential to change your life by changing your perspective of God forever. If you have someone in your life who's struggling, they need to be sitting beside you from the very first Sunday of this series all the way through. It's six weeks long, and I pray that they'll be sitting beside you. If you're listening online, you call them up, and y'all listen together at the very same time at 1030. This series has that potential. So my hope is you'll follow Jesus Christ. You'll read that book, Matthew, the Gospel According to Matthew. Begin reading that, and you'll be back next week for the beginning of this series. Let's talk to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you created relationships for us to enjoy. And God, we're so amazed at what you're doing in our lives at Stuttgart Harvest Church, and we are so excited about what you're going to do in the lives at the church in Malvern. And we pray that these relationships that we see every day, that Jesus, that we can, we can look at the hurting folks around us and we can help them begin to connect with you because we have genuine love and we have genuine compassion. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to meet people around us and to love them and lead them every day toward you. May we make it very difficult to miss heaven from anywhere near Stuttgart Harvest Church. It's in the name of Jesus who gets all the glory and praise and honor. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things and we say amen and amen.